Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, November 9th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be chatting today about my outlook here for week 11 of the college football season. I'll touch on some of the big power ratings adjustments that I've made coming out of week 10. I'll talk about some of the lines where I'm off from the market and just sort of talk overall about some box score things, some things you want to have on your radar here as you organize your college football betting thoughts for this week. Over at ATS.io, we're already busy putting up a lot of content here for you for this week's action. My updated college football power ratings for week 11 have been posted over at the website. I'll be doing a college football and an NFL opening line report shortly after I get this podcast recorded. We got some weeknight previews for the Maction coming up here on Tuesday and Wednesday already posted over at the website as well. Also, it is Masters Week, so we'll have some new sportsbook promotions from DraftKings that we'll be writing about over at the website here. We'll have a Masters preview. I'll talk Masters on tomorrow's show with Brian Blessing, and he'll also do his own video, taking a look at the picks that he likes for this year's event down at Augusta National. Very much looking forward to that. The course is in gorgeous shape. We'll have plenty of things to talk about with the Masters over at the website here throughout the week. But also over there at ATS.io, really interesting promotion here from DraftKings Sportsbook. We encourage you to check this one out. During the week, any bets you place between now and Saturday night for Sunday's action. So that would mean the NFL games on Sunday. That would mean any college football games that wrap up uh, Sunday morning. So the late games out West or the Masters, any final round bets you make for the Masters Tournament, you'll get up to $100 back of your net losses at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, the small print says that this upcoming Sunday, November 15th, has to be your first Sunday betting over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So this is effectively a new user promotion. If you sign up through us over at ATS.io, you'll get up to $1,000 deposit bonus in a deposit match bonus and a risk-free bet. So head on over to ATS.io, read up on all of that information there. The new look ATS.io after we had a little bit of a facelift here over the weekend. Lastly, I encourage you to download the ATS app. We're working on a bug with the article integration and the new theme we have for WordPress over at ATS.io. But that ATS app is a phenomenal tool to have at your fingertips for Android or iOS devices. It's a bet tracker. There's an odds screen in there with odds from multiple U.S. sports books, article integration with all of our picks, predictions, helpful betting information. And also, there's a stats database in the ATS app. You can see a lot of different things, including some advanced metrics in the matchup section for the game breakdowns. Lots of stuff at your fingertips. We've got you covered in the ATS app. All right, with that, Let's chat some college football here. We'll talk about some of my power ratings adjustments coming out of week 10. We'll talk about some box score notes and talk about some of the games where I'm off the market here so far uh, based on what we've seen with the opening lines and some of the early action as well. I'll start by running through some of my power ratings adjustments here and some pretty big adjustments this week. And I wrote about this in my power ratings article over at ATS.io. The market, for whatever reason this season, feels a lot more reactionary. We're seeing much bigger adjustments to teams' power ratings for these opening lines and then for the subsequent action that comes in. So 
like I mentioned in my article, you know, a lot of times I'll update a team, you know, one and a half, two, two and a half points, something like that. But I find myself this season making four, five, six point adjustments now deeper into the year. And that's something that I generally don't do. Now, part of the reason for this is because we've had the staggered starts for the conferences. You know, the the Big Ten and the Mountain West started, what was it, four weeks ago now? Uh, the Pac-12 and the MAC started just a couple of weeks ago. So we're still trying to settle in with all of these teams, kind of see how all of them stack up. But the thing of it is, I mean, I moved a team like Michigan four points this week. I moved a team like Georgia five and a half points. Mississippi State four and a half points. You know, teams like that, I've just I've had to make some big adjustments here. Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, I moved five points here for this week. If I've consistently been below market, I've decided that, you know, look, I, I just have to sort of change the way that I've been doing things. Sports betting is about adapting. It's about adapting to that climate, to that environment, because year in and year out, the environments are just different. You know, I've talked about this a lot with Major League Baseball, where the baseball plays differently year in and year out, stuff like that. So oftentimes what happens is, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to make broad sweeping generalizations and adjustments just because in the past, that really hasn't been the way to do it. But it seems like nowadays you do have to get a little bit more aggressive with your adjustments on some of these teams. And I feel like for the most part, I did do that this week. So running through just some of the big adjustments and some of the reasons why I made them, the biggest adjustment for me this week I moved Utah State down six points. Obviously, things are not going well in Logan, Utah. Gary Anderson has already been fired. And the odd thing about that is that when Matt Wells went to Texas Tech, the boosters at Utah State basically forced the program into hiring Gary Anderson for his second tenure, and it clearly has not worked. And we'll see if they go younger, maybe go with some up-and-comer in the business, something like that, maybe a you know, a coach from a lower division, from a lower conference like the Sun Belt, maybe an up-and-coming coordinator, something like that. But the boosters hammered the Gary Anderson hire through. And now, you know what, made it three games into the season in the Mountain West, and now he's gone. Interesting developments there in, in uh, Logan. But again, Jason Shelley, the Utah transfer has been terrible. The offense has been bad as a whole. Six-point adjustment required there for Utah State. A five and a half point adjustment for Georgia. And this is one where, again, these aren't teams where we have, you know, two or three data points. This is a team where we have a lot of data points. Two reasons for this move. The first is my line for Georgia, Florida last week was six and a half. Market closed around two and a half. Obviously, I was off on Georgia. Didn't account for some of their defensive injuries, which wound up being a very big deal, obviously, in that game against Florida. The second thing is, This Georgia offense is just getting progressively worse. Stetson Bennett ain't it. And Dewan Mathis, who came in after Bennett got hurt with an AC sprain uh, in Saturday's game, he wasn't it either. And JT Daniels is nowhere to be found. So maybe I've gone low enough on this team now. Maybe I haven't. But I did drop Georgia five and a half points here. They're just not a team that I want to bet on right now. And I did put myself in that position a little bit here this week with some of the bigger adjustments on some of these teams to the point where I don't want to bet on them. And here's a couple of them, Bowling Green and Akron. And last week I talked about Akron and that line was way off of my number against Western Michigan. And I thought about betting Akron. I entertained the idea of betting Akron. And then I thought better of it and they got run off the field. 
So I dropped Bowling Green and Akron five points here. And look, you know, I was actually a little bit high on the opener for the Akron and Ohio game. And that one has moved towards my number. So it confirms that I probably made the right call dropping Akron down five points. And I'm pretty much right on the market number for Bowling Green, dropping them down five points. So it's always nice when those adjustments work out, when you kind of find that sweet spot and get these teams where you're supposed to get them. And I did that here with Bowling Green and Akron for this week. A couple of teams I upgraded five points here, Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. And I've talked about these two teams a lot here throughout the course of the season that my numbers have consistently been low on Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. So this week made that five-point adjustment. Uh, Oklahoma State, ironically enough, coming off of their worst performance of the season. But I should be in line with the market now when it comes to the Cowboys. And that is the goal here when you come to power ratings. You want to find some games where you have an overlay that you can play, but in a lot of cases, you want to be close to the market number. And certainly if you're off of the market number, you want those numbers to move in your favor. So did take Kansas State last week, did pick up a winner on the Wildcats, but still wound up moving Oklahoma State up five points in my power ratings. And same thing here with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Maryland got a four and a half point jump in my power ratings here. And I'm still not all that close on the Ohio State Maryland line for this week. Look, I think Talia Tagovailoa is the real deal. I think Maryland's offense is significantly better. On the other hand, their defense is still not very good. So I think the over is very much in play for Ohio State and Maryland here. Uh, The Buckeyes not real thrilled with how they played in the second half of that game against Rutgers. So maybe we get a full four-quarter performance here from the Buckeyes. Maybe that does hurt Maryland's ability to score points. But Ohio State's defense has not been impenetrable to this point. So I think Maryland can move the football on them a little bit here through the air. But in any event, Maryland is a much better team than I expected. And again, the defense still isn't very good, but the offense looks pretty competent and pretty decent here for Mike Loxley. So a a four-and-a-half-point adjustment up for the Maryland Terrapins. Going back to another team that I lowered here, Mississippi State, I dropped four and a half points. They won the game last week, but take a look at that box score. And this is one I'll probably revisit a little bit later in the show. Mississippi State got outgained 478 to 204 by Vanderbilt. That is about as bad of a look as you can possibly get. Mississippi State's offense is not good. They are having massive problems adjusting to the air raid. Their best player, Kylan Hill, not playing with the team for the rest of the year. And the defense for Mississippi State, which was pretty good early on, they're going to get put into a lot of compromising situations here. I would expect they get worn down. I dropped Mississippi State four and a half points here in my power ratings for this week. A couple of teams I moved up four points. Marshall. Same thing as Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. My lines have just been low on Marshall overall throughout the course of the year. Made an adjustment for them. And Buffalo, you know, in talking last week with Brad Powers and Kyle Hunter, a couple of my guests here on ATS Radio, I realized I was a little bit low on my power rating for Buffalo. And when you look at their game from last week, it probably doesn't encourage you to make a big upgrade here. But one of the things that I've noticed, and maybe this is something I should have talked about earlier in the process, but at least I can get to it now. It's all conference games for these teams for the most part. And when you talk about a team like Buffalo that shines in its conference as a much brighter star than anybody else, 
their lines are likely to be inflated. So I moved Buffalo up four points in my power ratings. My number for Miami of Ohio was 13 and a half here this week, open nine, nine and a half. And the market has now crossed over 10 to get up to 11. So I think I'm on the right track here with Buffalo, but I think that this is kind of what we're seeing with Marshall, with Oklahoma state, with Cincinnati, these teams that are just really consistent in bad to below average conferences are seeing inflated lines. You're paying a premium on their numbers. And I think Buffalo will end up being one of those teams in the Mac if they aren't already. We think about the Big Ten here, for example, or the Big 12 this year, for example, Oklahoma's pretty good. Texas has been disappointing. But Oklahoma State has been pretty clearly the best or second best team here in this conference. And I think because of the inconsistencies of teams like Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, stuff like that, then we've seen this inflated price on Oklahoma State. So again, I think this year there are a lot of things that are different, whether it's COVID or just this conference play only thing. But I think that has led to paying a premium, paying an inflated price on these trustworthy teams or these teams with a reputation in these conferences for being trustworthy. And I think Buffalo will be one of those teams. So even if I over-adjusted the Bulls this week a little bit, I'm content and comfortable with taking that position uh, with this team here for this week and probably in subsequent weeks as well. Lastly, a couple of teams I lowered by four points here this week, Michigan. You know, I think subconsciously, and I wrote about this in the Power Rings article, I think subconsciously I try to be too respectful of Michigan so as not to show what would be perceived to be a bias because I'm an Ohio State fan, so I hate Michigan. But at the end of the day, betting is about making money. And because I'm sharing my information in a very public form and in a very public setting, I have to be as impartial as possible within my power ratings. And that means giving Michigan the benefit of the doubt, or at least having a realistic outlook of what the Wolverines actually are. Now, in week one, my line was a little bit higher against Minnesota. They won and covered rather comfortably. Since then, they've had two really bad performances. So I dropped Michigan four points in my power ratings this week. This probably just isn't a very good team. And I don't know if it's a defensive issue. I don't know if it's a coaching issue, whatever it is. But this probably isn't a very good team. And I may still have Michigan a little bit higher than some other people that I respect. But I did drop them four points here for this week. Uh, Again, that is something that is liquid, is a very fluid situation. Could wind up lowering them once again uh, if they're actually able to play here this week. Uh, in their game against Wisconsin. Lastly, the Temple Owls. I dropped Temple four more points here this week. They're not good, and they have quarterback issues. They have some major concerns at that position, but I also don't like Rod Carey, and it looks like this is the start of a very disappointing trend in Philadelphia. They're getting further and further removed from Jeff Collins and the recruiting classes that he brought in. I think Rod Carey at NIU at Northern Illinois just had a talent advantage over a lot of teams out there. Use that to his advantage to look good on the national stage in those spotlight games for NIU against conference opponents. But when NIU stepped up in class and played in bowl games and stuff like that, they got their asses kicked. So I think Temple is a bad team here for this season and a very bad team at that. And in fact, dropping them four points puts them you know very low here. They're in my bottom 20 now in college football. So made a pretty big adjustment to Temple. 
made lots of other adjustments as well. Coastal Carolina and Rutgers up three and a half points. Florida up three and a half points. Texas A&M up three points. Uh, Nevada up three points, although I'm high on the Nevada number for this week against New Mexico. Some other ones, I dropped Florida State three and a half points. Air Force down three and a half points. South Carolina down three and a half points. Uh, same thing here for, or actually three points for Penn State. Uh, Houston, I dropped three points as well. So a lot of big movements. You can read about those over at ATS.io, but I highlighted the biggest ones here for week 11 of the college football season. With that in mind, with some of the power ratings adjustments I did make, do have some games that are off market here. And some games that are off market rather significantly, Central Michigan and NIU is one that I'm off market quite a bit. Now, what I'm looking at here is I moved Buffalo up four points, but I didn't move Northern Illinois. Now, Northern Illinois did score 30 points in that game, but it's a pretty misleading. It was a misleading box score all the way around. Uh, Northern Illinois had under five yards per play. They gave up seven yards per play. They just had the football for a long period of time in that game. The market did lower them a little bit. I didn't. The market upgraded Central Michigan for beating Ohio. To me, I just wonder if maybe Ohio is not a very good team. You know, they lose Nathan Rourke. They go with his younger brother, Curtis, at quarterback. And I don't think he's as polished or as talented as Nathan Rourke. So Central Michigan got a bump for beating Ohio last week, 30-27. to 27. My line on this game is Central Michigan minus two, and the market is up to seven and seven and a half on this game. So this is one where I'm off quite a bit. But at least I think I can explain the reason why. I upgraded Buffalo because I was off of the Buffalo Northern Illinois line last week. The market says that I should have up or I should have downgraded Northern Illinois because my line was high on Buffalo and low on Northern Illinois here. So again, this is the process with power ratings. There is some guesswork involved. You do have to try to figure out, okay, if my line was off from the market line, which team was I off on? And generally speaking, what I try to do is I try to adjust both teams equally. If I'm off four points on a line, well, I'll upgrade one team two points and downgrade the other team two points. Maybe that's not the way to do it anymore because we've got this reactionary betting market where you know knee-jerk reactions aren't overreactions. They're just the norm. So maybe I made some mistakes there with those two teams, although that line is moving towards my Buffalo number against Miami of Ohio. I'm not going to play Northern Illinois, but I do think that there is a point where this line gets to be too high. Maybe seven and a half is it, uh, but Central Michigan, just a, a better coach team, a more talented team. So I'll have to make an adjustment and drop Northern Illinois uh, for week 12 in my power ratings, unless they do something surprising in that weeknight game there against Central Michigan. This is one that's a lot more telling, I think, because we do have a couple more data points for these teams. Iowa is a two and a half or three point favorite in the market. I have Minnesota a three and a half point favorite in that game. And to me, I think the transitive property of college football is at play here. Minnesota got clubbed by Michigan in week one. Since then, Michigan has lost to Michigan State and Indiana. Iowa just blasted, just blasted Michigan State this past weekend. So you've got kind of competing perceptions here where Minnesota, you know, lost badly to a team that lost badly to Michigan State. Iowa just trounced Michigan State. So, you know, I think perception bias is what's really driving this Iowa and Minnesota line. 
And maybe Minnesota is just not a very good team. You know, maybe Minnesota with all of their defensive losses, with the losses of Rodney Smith and Tyler Johnson, maybe they're just not a very good team. But I do think that Minnesota is a better team than what we've seen here so far. So now that this line is plus three on Iowa, I will have a piece of the Minnesota Golden Gophers going into this weekend. I don't think I have to wait and see if a three and a half comes up. I don't know if one will, but I do like Minnesota here. Iowa is not very proven either. They lost Nathan Stanley. Yeah, they beat up on Michigan State last week, but Sparty's a bad team. And they were coming off of a massive letdown spot after beating Michigan. So I like Minnesota this week. Probably one of my favorite plays, one of my favorite power ratings plays here of the week on the Golden Gophers. Miami and Virginia Tech. This line is Virginia Tech minus two and a half in the market. I've got it Miami minus four. So I feel like the wrong team is favored here in this game. Virginia Tech has been a disappointment. I was very high on Virginia Tech coming into the season, and they have not played well at all whatsoever. And then last week, of course, losing the game to Liberty, where they were you know, a three-score favorite. Miami, Florida, admittedly, I haven't really touched Miami the last few weeks. I don't really know what this team is. They're very Jekyll and Hyde. They got clubbed by Clemson. For the most part, otherwise, they've played pretty well. Last week's game was a little bit misleading against North Carolina State. NC State had a kick return touchdown. Miami outgained them 7.5 to 6.5 yards per play. Miami outgained them by 210 yards. So I think Miami only winning by three in that game is a little bit misleading. I think they're the right side here. I like them getting two and a half. Probably just play the money line since I have this game minus four. Um, Maybe I'm wrong on this one. Maybe I haven't adjusted Miami down enough. Maybe I've been too critical of Virginia Tech. But the fact of the matter is, I've got a wrong team favorite situation there, and I have to respect that in my power ratings because if I don't, who will? You know, they are my power ratings. The thing that I put a lot of time and effort into, got to trust them here in a spot like this where we've had a lot of data points from the ACC. This isn't, you know, being off in the market on a Mountain West game like I am with Nevada and New Mexico. Market's Nevada minus 14. I'm Nevada minus 19 and a half. Look, I throw my hands up about Nevada. I was low on their lines in their first three games. Now I'm really high on their number. This game will probably be played in Reno because there's a a rule against large groups in New Mexico. So they'll probably change the venue for this one. Um, I'd probably have it 21 and a half at that point. Market probably goes to 18 or so. So I won't be off by that much. Uh, But this isn't, you know, that Miami and Virginia Tech game isn't a Mountain West game. It's not a case where we've got, you know, a, a pretty inconsistent conference with a limited number of data points. We've seen a lot of ACC games to this point. So when I have overlays in those conferences where those teams have been playing a lot more, I pay much closer attention to those because I think they're easier to explain that that's just the way I feel about those teams as opposed to things like the Pac-12, the MAC, the Mountain West, stuff like that. One big overlay I do have here in the Pac-12, Oregon is a seven and a half point favorite in the market. I have it 13 against Washington State. Now, credit to Washington State for a nice win over Oregon State. A lot of us were on Oregon State last week, and Wazoo came through with the victory. The Oregon line was very fascinating last week against Stanford. So I had Oregon a 13 point favorite against Stanford. Market completely cratered. Market that opened around 12 came all the way down to eight. And then on game day, went back up to 11, 11 and a half because Davis Mills of Stanford was out with COVID. So 
that Oregon line was kind of all over the place. And I didn't really do too much of an adjustment with Oregon who won the game, won the game pretty comfortably at that. Maybe I should have lowered them. Maybe I should have had a better understanding of that. The line went back up because of COVID, not because of an opinion on either one of those teams, but I don't know if Washington state's very good. Maybe Oregon state just didn't play well. Wasn't sure what to expect with Nick Rolovich at the helm. I just think Oregon's a better team, a much better team at that. So I'll take a piece here of Oregon minus the seven and a half. I do think this line goes up. So that is one that I am looking to play here early on in the week. Lastly, Penn State and Nebraska. And this one I think is important to talk about as well. I've got Penn State minus eight. The market is minus three. I'm not as down on Penn State as everybody else. When you look at the box scores for their three games, and I know they're 0-3, they really haven't played that poorly overall. I mean, Ohio State comfortably handled them, and that's a game that probably should have been a bigger margin of victory than it actually was. But Penn State was much better than Indiana in that game they lost to open the season. And then last week, I don't think they played that badly. You know, I know that they came up on the losing end, but I don't think they played that badly. If you look at the box where they had a lot of yards in that game, they just, again, made mistakes. And, and maybe that's just the hallmark of this James Franklin team here for right now. But I also don't think Nebraska is very good. Uh, Adrian Martinez got pulled in their last game. Nebraska's box score was misleading. I'll talk about that in a second, but I just don't think Nebraska is a very good team. I think Penn State minus three is a cheap number. I like it. I'm showing signs of going to three and a half. So I do like Penn State in this game against Nebraska. Uh, Find a three, take it. I think this line does go up. Again, maybe Penn State's the wrong side. Maybe they're just going to have too many problems this year, but I do think that the Nittany Lions are the way to look in that game against Nebraska. All right, so let's roll through here with some of these box score notes. I'll try to do these in pretty rapid-fire fashion, not take up too much of your time here on today's show. Uh, Wyoming, 465 to 342 edge in their game against Colorado State, 5.8 yards per play to 5.4 yards per play. Wyoming was minus three in turnovers. They had a pick six. Uh, They had a bad fumble. Colorado State opened up a 14-0 lead with a 29-yard touchdown. So, Again, you want to look at those things too. Turnover margin is important, but where were the turnovers? And when in the game did they happen? Because for a team like Wyoming, they've got to run the football to be effective. If they fall behind early and it changes the game state for them, that makes a big difference in some of their games. So pay attention to turnover margin, but also look at how and when those turnovers happen. BYU 8.8 yards per play against Boise State. I was dead wrong on this game. Boise State did have some COVID and some quarterback issues here, but both teams ran 65 offensive plays in this game, and BYU outgained Boise State 573 to 310. BYU is legit. The offense is legit, and I've made BYU a top 10 team here in my power ratings uh, after my adjustments for this week. So, I mean, look, I can't get a whole lot higher on BYU than I am right now. They are number six in the country for me, a power rating of 85.5. I mentioned Miami, Florida, and NC State. That's a, that's a box score worth digging into. Also, Florida, Georgia. The final score will suggest that this game was closer than it actually was. Florida had 29 first downs to 12 for Georgia. They were 7 of 16 on third down. Georgia was 2 for 13 
Georgia did have two turnovers and turn it over on downs twice, but Georgia had a pick six in this game. They had a garbage time touchdown. They had a 75-yard touchdown run on the first play of the game. That accounted for 27% of Georgia's offensive yards. So Florida's defense actually played really well in this game. Either that or the Georgia offense was terrible. But again, that speaks to why I lowered Georgia as much as I did in my power ratings for this week. 8.8 yards per carry for Cincinnati against Houston. Desmond Ritter is not great, but Cincinnati runs the football very effectively, and they deserve the benefit of the doubt, which is why I gave them a big upgrade here for this week. The Texas A&M-South Carolina game was every bit as bad as 48-3. to Sometimes you look at games and you see 48-3 to and a team's minus four, minus five in turnover margin, something like that. That wasn't the case here. 530 to 150 was the yardage in that game. South Carolina with nine first downs, A&M with 26. I probably didn't upgrade Texas A&M enough in my power ratings or downgrade South Carolina enough. I did make adjustments to both teams, but that was every bit of an ass kicking, uh, as you would expect there in that game. Oregon and Stanford was pretty fascinating. So Oregon outgained Stanford 496 to 413. Stanford did not turn the ball over. They had over 400 yards. Why did they have only 14 points? Stanford missed four field goals in that game, two of them in the red zone, and they punted from the Oregon 38-yard line. So missed field goals were a big story in that game for Stanford. That will come up again a little bit later in the show here. I mentioned I lowered Michigan four points in my power ratings, but they had 18 carries for 13 yards against Indiana. That's not good. I'm going to lower you, and I did there in that one. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, interesting game here. Kansas State outgained Oklahoma State 370 to 256, but they had they were minus two in turnovers. They blew a 12-0 lead, kicked two red zone field goals. Oklahoma State had a defensive score. Kansas State was the better team in that game. Probably should have won that game outright. Still had to make an adjustment to Oklahoma State to catch up for the market, uh, but still, you know, an interesting one there. A couple of other games in the Big 12, and the Big 12 has been hard to put a finger on this season. Baylor and Iowa State, only 728 yards of offense in that game, but lots of points. There was a pick six, seven scoring drives of 40 or fewer yards. So that was one that flew over the total with Baylor and Iowa State because of short fields and a pick six. 728 yards of offense in that game. By comparison, West Virginia and Texas, 723 total yards, only 30 points in that game. So we talk about misleading box scores, misleading final scores. It's not only sides, it's also totals, where sometimes these totals just don't add up to what the box score is telling you. USC outgained Arizona State 556 to 392. However, they had 135 yards on 15 plays in their last two touchdown drives to come away with that victory. USC was never in a position to cover in that game. Did outgain Arizona State badly, but a lot of that on those two final drives. Memphis barely beat South Florida, but if you look at the box score for that game, they only won 34 to 33. Memphis outgained South Florida 535 to 330. They were 10 for 19 on third down. USF was only two for 12. So why did Memphis only win that game by a point? Well, South Florida had a pick six. Memphis turned it over on downs three times. Once at their own 34, led to a field goal for South Florida. Once at the South Florida 36, 
and then once at the South Florida three right before halftime. So Memphis left a lot of points on the field in that game. Excuse me, I did downgrade Memphis considerably prior to last week, uh, but you, I avoid downgrading Memphis too much this week because they won that box score convincingly, just weren't able to convert into points. Nebraska had an interesting game here. They lost 21 to 13 against Northwestern, but they outgained Northwestern 442 to 317. Both Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey were picked off in the end zone, and Nebraska had a 13 play, 78 yard drive with a turnover on downs on their last possession. So Nebraska just did the same things Nebraska has been doing during the Scott Frost era. They show you some potential and some promise. And they take a dump all over it with turnovers. So twice picked in the end zone and a turnover on downs pretty much in the, in inside the 10 on their last drive. So that's how Nebraska won the box score, uh, but lost the game there in that one. Troy only had 3.85 yards per play in their game against Georgia Southern. Bad look, pick six, their only offensive touchdown. We'll see if they get Gunnar Watson back here for this week. Boston College is back to force-feeding the run. They are back to being an under team here. 47 rushing attempts for them. We talked a lot about Boston College with Kyle Hunter over the course of the season here. Early on, they were throwing a ton. Now they're running a ton, so keep that in mind. Southern Miss, I know people want to downgrade Southern Miss for that game against North Alabama, but they did almost double them in yards, 345 to 175. Southern Miss was minus three in turnover margin. They trailed 13 to seven going into the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, Southern Miss is just not a very good team, but I've already got them pretty low as it is. As I mentioned, Penn State minus three in turnovers against Maryland. They did outgain Maryland 434 to 405. Again, I think Penn State is a little bit undervalued in the market this week. I like them in their game against Nebraska. As I mentioned, Vanderbilt outgained Mississippi State 478 to 204, but Vanderbilt was minus five in turnover margin. So Mississippi State won that game by seven, being minus five in turnover margin, and they got outgained by 270 yards. So very interesting box score, to say the least there, in that one between Vandy and Mississippi State. 30.3% of Florida State's yards were on Jordan Travis's 88-yard touchdown run in the game against Pitt. Pitt hammered Florida State. Kenny Pickett came back in that game. I downgraded Florida State three and a half points. That may not even be enough. Uh, this team has definitely regressed over the last few weeks, to say the least. Finally, this was one of my proudest calls of the weekend with Colorado. I liked Colorado. I thought the line in that game of UCLA minus seven was way too high. Colorado wins that game outright. UCLA was minus four in turnover margin. This box score was a mess, by the way. UCLA minus four in turnover margin. They actually trailed 35 to 14 at the half. They fumbled a punt return. They got picked at their own 19. They had a fumble run back or the, uh, the, excuse me, the pick at their own 19 was run back to the one yard line. They fumbled at their own seven. So Colorado's timing of turnovers and the spot on the field in which they happened played a massive role in this game, but also Colorado missed three field goals. So this game really shouldn't have even been close. So I didn't upgrade or down. In fact, I downgraded Colorado a point despite winning outright as a big underdog in that game. Uh, UCLA, I didn't touch at all, really, because I was obviously lower than the market. But again, minus four in turnovers. And again, three of those in prime scoring opportunities for Colorado. So 
when you look through box scores on Sunday, that's what you want to look for. Yards per play differentials, turnover margins, and when and where those turnovers happen because those will play a massive role in the final score and the outcomes of the games. So again, I know I ran over a ton of stuff here on today's show. ATS.io, you can read my Power Rings article over there. It's right on the front page. Very, very easy for you to find, to say the least. Coming up on Tuesday, we'll chat NFL and Masters with Brian Blessing. Wednesday with Kyle Hunter, we'll talk more college football and maybe some NFL. Uh, Thursday, we will talk the NFL as well as college football with Brad Powers. And then Friday, my Circus Sports Million picks for Week 10. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.